Ooh, and the nice refreshing sound of a white claw opening as we start. Wow. I am not drinking because I literally finished work <laughs> four minutes ago. No. I was actually worried about your ability to eat dinner while recording this. I was like, is she going to need to like stuff her face? Did she eat earlier? I'm okay. I'll eat after. Okay. Well, good. That could be hours later because I have so much to tell you. <laughs> I appreciate your concern, but I'll be good. Um, I first of all, hello everyone. Hi everyone. <laughs> this is we're here for it, and we haven't recorded in like a month, and so we're feeling off our game. I tried to do the math, and then I've already forgotten what it was. But today's the twenty fourth, and the last time we recorded was the sixth. Okay, so it's it's actually not been that long. It's been like two weeks and four days. So two. But and it feels like a millennia. And what's funny is we've actually talked since then, like just casually with our like when you were at our parents' house, and I still feel like it's been a million years. Yeah, it's true. So many things have happened in your life. A lot of things have happened in my life. How are you doing today? I am good today. Today was one of those like hard days at work where especially work online, like sometimes my brain is literally just like, I can't do this. So I have to like give myself like deadlines of like, okay, you need to work uninterrupted for the next 45 minutes. And then you're going to go take like a five minute break and walk around a loop in your apartment and like that kind of thing. Cause sometimes my brain just can't handle it. And today was one of those days, but I am good. I'm in my new apartment. I'm already in love with the doorway. I love that shape of a door. Isn't that so cute? That's my doorway into my closet and my bathroom. Right? So cute. All our doorways are arched. It's like my favorite part. I love that so much. I love that style. Thank you. Um, but I am good. How are you other than going insane? Is that the I only am, thing? Going on? No, you know what? Today is one of those days, and we, we'll talk about this more when we get on to the topic. But today is one of those days where I have been flip-flopping like really rapid, like there's like a really rapid roller coaster of like feeling myself and thinking that I'm the world's largest blob and I'll never find love right. because of it. Like literally I'll be like in one mirror, I'll be like, oh damn girl, you looking yes. good with those jeans. And then the next second I'm like, why am I eating only ice cream? I don't understand. Like no one will love me. I had one of those last night. I was like getting dressed and I was like, Am I a beluga whale or do I look really hot? Like, right. I, like I don't know. I can't tell. And I'm literally unable to make that determination as I stare right. in the mirror. Yeah. So I had to work really hard to find the right place to sit today because I was like, I just am it's so insecure every time I'm on Zoom today that I was like, I need to literally yeah. put my laptop on a box so that you don't see my triple chins and like the lighting. I, I do right. have my computer on a um, on a stand. I also have this problem where my room is still like not fully done. Like I, I don't even have a bed frame yet. It's still in the yeah. mail, but my, I have my full length mirror right mm -hmm. here. <laughs> so if I just look over during the day, I'm just looking at myself and no one looks good sitting down from the side. So that's, oh, yeah, that feels like an unhealthy choice for you. I, I realized today that I do need to move it. Cause once I get my, all my other furniture, it will have a place, but this is not a good. Yeah. Place. You maybe need to move it or like during the day, like throw, like throw a, a, yeah. a blanket over it or something, right. <laughs> some sort of tapestry. Yes. But that, that will be something that comes from going to my second trip to Ikea this weekend. So, oh, so fun. 
So I have, I don't know what you have for me, but I have stream of consciousness thoughts that I've stopped myself from telling you when we're not recording. Okay. I have like baby pop culture updates and then I have like one major pop culture. Okay. Well, we know what the major one is. That's top of my list too. Okay. Why is there a fly in here? Sorry. (laughs) I don't know how that happened. My windows have not been open in several oh, days. That's so, so funny. Um, the big one, obviously, Miss Brittany. Brittany freaking Spears. That's what I wrote in all caps. Brittany freaking Spears. Did you listen to it? I haven't listened to it, but I read a bunch of articles. Um, I I can't believe it. So I did listen to it this morning. I had read a bunch okay. of articles yesterday, and then this morning I was like, you know what? Because I saw Andy Cohen's thing from his Watch What Happens Live, where he was like. He went off about Jamie Spears and I was like, I need to just listen to this. I need right. to listen. If Andy Cohen is is popping off, like we need to I know. mean, everybody's popping off, but Andy Cohen like went off about it. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, Andy. And um, it is, what's really sad about it is that she clearly like had to handwrite everything on paper, like write all her thoughts down. And then she has to tell, she's like 23 minutes, like in like 23, 24 minutes, she tells the judge like this whole story but like, because it's really emotional, she gets really worked up at times. So she like kind of loses her place at times. So there, it's a little jarring and distracting. And the judge has to ask her twice to slow down because the court reporter like cannot type that fast. Like, because you know, when you get anxious about something and you just start talking like really quickly. Um, so she like gets anxious, like obviously telling this really traumatic story. Um, but it was, it was hard to hear. It was hard to listen to. It was really rough. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think the big thing is the whole reproductive rights situation that the whole internet is rightfully kind of, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, about Like the other big piece, and this is something that I feel like we've talked about in a minor way, but like it just how quickly her dad and her conservatorship were able, like when she said no to like wanting to do the Vegas tour, Mm-hmm. or the Vegas, like a second run in Vegas, they basically sent her to this therapist that she didn't even like that like was not great to her. And he immediately put her on lithium, which was like completely different regular medication. Mm-hmm. And so obviously she couldn't stand up for herself because lithium is an insane thing to just throw someone on. Like yeah. that's such an abuse, not only of his power as her therapist, but also like that's something we see a lot in Hollywood. And actually Lena Dunham also wrote a post about this today about Brittany because she was like, I've obviously struggled with my own like issues, particularly in Hollywood and particularly with the fact that like a therapist, like people in Hollywood were so quick to just give me anxiety medication to fix the problem so I could keep working. And Lena Dunham was like, I was in like a niche part of Hollywood. I can't imagine what it was like for her as like this huge pop star. Like that's crazy. Right. And also I saw, I saw a tweet that was really important. That was like this Britney Spears, this, this particular situation of what's going on is demonstrating the exact intersection of where disability rights and reproductive rights intertwine. And that's not something that's ever talked about. It's actually, there's a lot of things prohibiting Mm -hmm. disabled people from the right to their own body. And reproductive rights is just one of them. And like, if this brings that kind of attention to it, 
this, mm-hmm. this tragedy and this like unjust injustice injustice <laughs> um, yeah like I I hope that there's something done about this and I hope that there are more people advocating for this entire group of people who have like been dealing with similar situations for years well I also it's just so interesting because I feel like before we've always heard sort of what was happening in the conservatorship, but like no one ever really knew for sure because we didn't hear her testimony. And so it was always like, well, the judge ruled to keep it, but it was like, well, why? Like, what are we not hearing? And then now it's like, there's no way a judge can hear that. And now that we know it's out in the media and everybody's heard it, Mm -hmm. there's no way. Like, I mean, how do you, like that, if that judge continues the conservatorship as it stands, like- I can't even imagine what the repercussions of that would be. Jamie Spears should rot in prison. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, we could go on and we could have an entire other Britney episode. feel like we have to move on because. Well, one other thing I wanted to say really quick about the Britney thing Mm -hmm. is that in her testimony, she talks about how when they basically were like, you have to do this Vegas show. And she was like going like right from one Vegas thing to, they basically were like, you're doing your thing at your residency in Vegas. You're doing this tour and they're going to do a second residency. And she was exhausted, mm-hmm. but she talks about like pretty openly. She was like, I didn't think I was allowed to say no. So we went and we had rehearsals. We had rehearsals in one space and we had rehearsals in another. And we rehearsed like every day of the week. And she was like, I was directing the whole thing. I was choreographing the whole thing. I was training the dancers. I was doing like, she, it wasn't just that she was like, I was running the show. She was like, I literally was like, this is my, like, I'm doing the choreography here. I'm doing that. And it was like one dance move that they were like, you should do this. And she was like, I don't want to do that. And that's what set off, like forcing her into a new rehab thing and like ended the Vegas run. Like that's what put her on lithium. Um, But I thought it was really impressive that she was like, I was doing that choreography myself. Like I was, that was all me. Uh Like that, like I was running that show. I was doing the direction. I was doing the creative like thought behind it. Like I thought it was great that she was kind of owning that power. Yeah. Go Brittany. Go Brittany. Go Brittany. Go Brittany. Free Brittany. Free Britney, please free Britney. Um, <laughs> I have a pop culture thing okay. that is not pop culture. It is pop culture to you and I very specifically. Okay. So you and I have a deep love for the Bratz movie. A, a love that other people don't share. They don't. <laughs> they do not. Although there's a really good episode that. of how did this get made about it. I have tried to force the Bratz movie upon my friends. <laughs> my roommate ariana like that's the second time i've made her watch it with me and they just people just don't share the same love however i was watching i was doing the thing i always do where i'm like this person looks insanely familiar what do i know them from and you know in the brats movie Mm -hmm. this is just like a very specific niche there's like the nerdy guy that like jade likes yeah and he like does the kung fu moves yeah so I was like, he looks so familiar. Who is he? Do, 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 do. I Google. <laughs> he is son of Tom and Rita Hanks. His name is Chet Hanks. Oh, he's Chet Hanks. Which means that Tom Hanks has seen the Bratz movie. <laughs> was and- the one that was like got in like some hot water right when COVID first started because his parents had it and he like went off on the internet. 
I didn't know that. But Hanks is, it's funny because if you've ever seen Colin Hanks, who like everybody has at this point, mm-hmm. they are very different. It just really like, it, <laughs> it brought me so much joy knowing that we share this niche interest with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. <laughs> I'm sure he's seen it once and I'm sure they give Chet a lot of shit about it. But Tom yeah. Hanks has seen the... Like the text me, page me, everybody wants to be my best friend. Yeah, that's great. I love that. So good. Um, And I'm really glad that I randomly had the urge to watch the Bratz movie before they take it off Netflix. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Other pop culture-y things. We have Miss Katie Thurston's season of The Bachelorette started. Yes, and I have a thing about her as one of my pop culture updates. Go for it. It's real quick. I was just going to say, I don't know if you watched the end credits of this past episode Mm -hmm. where they're like stargazing. Yeah. Um, And I was going to say, you know she's a millennial because she straight up says that Pluto is a planet. And I was like, yes, girl, Pluto will always be a planet. She also went to her Instagram story the other day and was like, I have a side part. I'm a basic girl. Stop giving me shit about it. <laughs> um, I really like this season so far. It's a really good group of guys. Um, I do really like this season. I pretty much only like three guys. Who are the three? I like Michael, the guy who has the really sad cancer wife story. I like... Connor the guy that dresses a cat who's a teacher that told that story that Mm -hmm. we all thought was going to end with him having accidentally beat his girlfriend but it was really just that he cheated on her right um and I like I think his name's Greg or whatever like the guy she went on the first one with that like also lost his dad recently I those are the only three I care about everyone else I literally and this might be because I'm at this house by myself like with every other guy on that show, I literally would be like, ew, I hate him. Don't talk to her like out loud at the right. street. <laughs> I feel like those three guys are like the ones that are gonna they're they're gonna be fan favorites. They've gotten like they are they are all like sweet angel baby boys right. for sure. Um, I really love Trey. He's the one that we've literally not seen him at all until the last episode when Carl was causing all the drama and Trey was like the one who was just like, you're doing this, you're doing this. Like, these are the problems. You're now creating all these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, get this man a one-on-one. Get this man a one-on-one. I Um, feel like because I love Connor, mm -hmm. he's not like, because he's my favorite. Mm-hmm. he's not going to make it to the end. The guys that I love never make it to the end. That's true. You have a weird, like... I always love, like, the runner-up or, like, the one that gets out third. Yeah. Um, Unrelated to The Bachelorette, but Bachelor in Paradise, I just feel like we do need to discuss the list of hosts they came out with. I have not seen the list of hosts. Okay. I don't have it pulled up, but... Confirmed they're doing basically like a bunch of guest hosts. Mm-hmm. So it's confirmed that David Spade will yeah. be doing some hosting. And then also, uh, oh, what's his name? Titus Burgess. Okay. From Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. And then Lance Bass. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah. And then it was another random one, like, like 
who was it? Lil John, Lil John, Lil John, which like why, but like go off. And then there's a lot of rumors that Wells and Sarah Hyland were going to do stuff together, but then it was like officially announced that Wells would take on a bigger role. So I was like, from the beginning, why would they not just get rid of all these guest hosts, have Sarah Hyland and Wells co-host and have him be like the bartender and her be well, the- so he's, did you know that he's officially the master of ceremonies? <laughs> I'm sorry. So he'll be the one that comes in and says, this is the final rose of the He'll be the one that's like, here's what's happening. Like, guys will choose this week. Girls will choose, you know, like. This is the final rose. rose. Yeah. So the guest hosts are basically just going to be giving out dates. I have literally no idea. But I think Wells will be the perfect master of ceremonies. And I actually think, like, I can see Wells really taking this and becoming, like, a better Chris Harrison. And I think you're right that like, if they do bring Sarah Highland at all, I think that the dynamic will be so good that like, that could be something that goes further. How funny would that have been if the whole time it was just Wells doing what he's doing and Sarah Highland being like, Ooh, like they deserve a date. They deserve a date. Like that would have been so funny. And so I, yeah, but mm-hmm. whatever. Um, also, I'm sorry, I keep talking. Um, I'm really liking the dynamic of Tasha and Caitlin. Love it. I like the, I, I wish there was honestly more of like the girl talk because mm-hmm. you know that when Katie steps away from a rose ceremony, they're going over there and Tasha and Caitlin cool. are like, oh my God, they said what? Like what? Like I want more of that. I've been saying for years that that's like my dream job is to be like the Chris Harrison, but more of like the best friend character where you're like right. giving the guys nicknames and being like, dude, do you see how he's being like, that's crazy. And, yeah. and I think that's exactly what's going on with the three of them. And it makes so much much more sense for this girl who is dating 30 guys to go talk to her girls about it. Yes, no one wants 100%. to go talk to a 50 year old man. hundred percent. So I hope that even if it's not Tasha and Caitlin forever, that they keep up with similar dynamics and maybe for the bachelor, they have a couple like previous bachelors, like Nick Vile would be really good at it. He would. Like, okay. Yes. Nick would be a great host for the bachelor. What he's the bachelorette, but would I, because he is not at all qualified <laughs> to be a he, therapist. Run a support group of Cheaters Anonymous. So weird. <laughs> what it was, right? Like they were like, we want you to open up, but it wasn't like open up about anything. It was like basically everyone telling their stories of like, I used to date around or I focused to it. That, honestly, that whole, I, I will just say that whole segment, <laughs> of, like an episode of I Survived where like, Everyone tells like sort of bad stories. And then that one person is like, here's my story. And it's really intense and I'm not okay yet, which was Katie. Like right. that was basically it. Right. Yeah. So that was weird. But I do think he would be really good as like a bachelor host. Like, so I don't know. I hope that they keep up similar dynamics because I think that would be really good. Yes. Um, I have a couple more things. Okay. Just go for it. Okay. One. Cher is now on TikTok. And I think that's important. Like, <laughs> that is important. She just made a TikTok where she literally just walks in and goes, Hi, I'm Cher and I'm on TikTok. And she does that like six times in like different wigs every time. And oh, then she goes, Happy Pride from Cher. And like that's that's the whole TikTok. And I just I love that. And Billy Eichner tweeted it and was like, So TikTok is finally relevant. And I was like, There it is. There's the winner. There it um, is. We also got Loki. In the in the recent few weeks, I've only watched one episode though. I haven't seen it all yet. 
Okay. Tom Hiddleston's just really hot. That's that was my one takeaway from Excellent. it. Love that. And then my final pop culture note is that the iCarly reboot has premiered <laughs> and I feel seen. <laughs> I don't just know. What it's, no, Justine, it's really good. They like made it for me. Like okay. it's similar to how High School Musical the Musical the series like knew it wasn't going to go just for like children six to ten they knew that they wanted the like old high school musical fans iCarly's doing something similar but even older like they're talking about hooking up her roommate is <laughs> like she talks about how her roommate hooks up with guys and girls and non-binary lawyers like and they're like always drinking wine and she'll be like I look sexy like like it's it's like adult and it's I get you really good um and yeah I love that okay I have three things um that are pop culture related okay one is an apology to you um we were talking not on the pod about John Mulaney and I was saying that I was convinced that the Schitt's Creek Dan Levy was the one that officiated his wedding and I was wrong it was the other one. It was the other one. To be fair, they both were on MTV. So that's confusing to me. It is confusing. There's been a lot of like tweeting. Also, when you look at them, you they could maybe be cousins. Yeah. They're both like brunette. And honestly, one of them should go strictly by Daniel. Agreed. But at this uh, point, it's like it's they're in too deep. Right. Right. Exactly. But I will say this is that in doing this research and finding this out, um, because I was looking up a bunch of stuff about John Mulaney and, um, he has new, a new, new set of shows in Boston mm-hmm. and they're like happening like right now or in August or something. And they, the rules for them are that like, everybody has to put their phones in those like pouches and can't take them out and stuff. So I think he's recording a new special. Oh, really excited. I saw like a 10 second clip from one of his New York shows on TikTok that I'm sure has since been taken down. I can try to find it and send it to you because I saw it on a couple different accounts. It was really short. I don't even remember it being anything relevant, but it was just like John Mulaney's back. Um, Yeah. I mean, people were saying that he like for everything I've read is that it's just a different John Mulaney. Like he's still funny, but he's obviously like still kind of working out jokes and it's not like he... You're yeah. everyone's so used to seeing him at like the polished stage right. and like he's usually wearing a suit and he's like not doing that anymore. So, but I also saw this thing on Dumois that was like an anonymous um, post about this girl who was previously working as a, a dom to like pay her way through grad school. And she was saying she didn't name names, but she said she was working with a pretty famous comedian who like everyone thought was really straight laced, but that like he just needed to like give up control because of his anxiety. And it surprised her because she always thought he was really like very much like into his wife and like very committed and like she had to stop seeing him because he started doing too much like coke and alcohol and she was like this isn't okay and I'm like that a hundred percent has to be him like that has to be him yeah jeez anyway so um that's that um you don't really care about this but maybe some of our listeners do including I think some of your friends but Hillary Burton and Sophia Bush and Bethany Joy Lenz. Yes. Have oh, a yeah, I did see that. New podcast called Drama Queens. I've the first episode is already so good. Their theme song is so good. I am really excited for them to watch the first episode. And 
so excited to get into it. I did. I did see they were doing that. I forgot to write that down. It is the rewatch podcast that I'm willing to like get into. You know, like I, yeah. I previously listened to Gilmore Guys. I don't really feel like doing any more Gilmore Girls like pot. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't need to do any more of those. I've never actually gotten to the Harry Potter ones or anything like that. But like, this is one that I'm willing to like. I also, I really like rewatch podcasts hosted by people from the show. I've listened to a few and I'm just so interested about like behind the scenes and stuff. And like, I love hearing the little details of like, oh my gosh, like that week when we were recording that and like filming that we had like the best catering on set. Like, I love those kinds of stories. So well, they also like, um, what's interesting is that those three women have like never watched it before. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because I like this will be like them seeing the episodes for the first time, which I think is really interesting. Right. That's really cool. Um, And then the last pop culture update I have for you, well, sort of the last, is I don't know if you've seen on TikTok the back sync. Nick Carter, Lance Bass, uh, AJ McLean, and Joey Fatone have been hanging out for Pride. They were putting together like a mini concert thing and they're calling themselves back sync like the best of both bands and they're like hang out in their living room and like learn like the bye 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 dance and like we'll sing like backstreets but it's ella it is the greatest thing that my millennial heart can handle oh my god it is everything and you need to find it because okay. it's just pure joy like it's just pure no, I will. that sounds important to me even like at one point one of the videos they're like moving a couch inside and they're like it's just like four guys trying to move a couch and it's just fucking hilarious wow okay okay so I that's like that. new pop culture stuff right i have one more pop culture thing and then like some stream of consciousness stuff that i need to talk give about it to me so i finished my rewatch slash original watch all the way through of scandal right I'm not telling you that you have to watch it, but I am saying that if as someone that like, I know you liked how to get away with murder. And I think this is probably very similar. Also, it has some of the best female characters I've maybe ever seen. Like sometimes writes a strong female character. Like no. Yeah. I was thinking about scandal just because I did love how to get away with murder so much. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just, it's been a minute since I've gotten into a show kind of like that. Like I've been very in the sitcom realm and I've been like watching a lot of other things that kind of fall into that or more like Netflix, like kind of short series. Like I just watched yeah. all of Feel Good on Netflix and like, and I watched all of um, Special um, and all these different kind of like more short things. But um, I have been thinking about getting myself back into like a show with a lot of seasons and like long episodes. Yeah. And like, obviously I'm never going to tell you to watch Grey's Anatomy because as much as I love it and I love the female characters, it's so many seasons that that's crazy. I would rather like watch, I would rather like watch Bones all the way through or like House or something than go into Grey's Anatomy. Uh, But Scandal is seven seasons and it's just like, like obviously Carrie Washington is amazing. Like she's She's the main character. She's iconic the whole way through. Um, but if you don't finish that show, lo- equally loving Melly Grant and like also like I had a dream last night that the character of Abby was my godmother and it was like the best dream. That's funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, that I recommend. Um, and then there's just some stream of consciousness things, which is 
One, I've decided I don't ever want stairs in my house, in my future house, because I don't want to have to vacuum them. Um, okay. Two, <laughs> I curled my hair using our cousin's hair curler the other day, and it, I should have brought it out here. It, like, is, like, an old school hair curler that straight up looks like it was made in, like, 30 years ago, like, 1990. And it did such a good job, and now we know how her hair always looks so great. Right, because she has the best hair. She has the best hair, and her hair curler was awesome. It was smoking the whole time though. So I got really scared. I was going to burn my hair off. (laughs) Um, I also, so I had to touch up my roots Mm -hmm. and when I was brushing my hair out, I unconsciously parted my hair in the middle and didn't realize it till the next day. So I had to like pin it back when I went to work because it wouldn't part on the side. And then I freaking did it again this morning. Like, I don't know what is happening. I mean, obviously I parted on the, in the middle for so long. I think I'm just conditioned. But I was doing so good parting it on the side. And now suddenly the last like two times I've washed my hair, I'm like completely lost my mind. So there's that. Um, And then the last stream of consciousness I was just thinking of because I was eating dinner. And I think you'll agree with me. um, I would like to normalize um, putting meatballs in a non-red sauce. Yes. I ate some today. Right. And I feel like, I mean, obviously like spaghetti meatballs is great, but like, why can't we put it in an Alfredo sauce or a pesto sauce? Why does it always have to be in a red sauce? I am fully with you today. I had a no sauce situation. It was one of those weird lunch days where I was like, what do I eat? And I ended up making flatbread, a little bit of my like favorite garlic Dijon mustard, Mm -hmm. some lettuce with a little olive oil, salt and pepper. And then avocado and turkey meatballs on top. And it was delicious. How fun. You know what? It looked like a falafel, but it actually tasted good. Because like falafels aren't ever what you want them to taste like. You just want them to be meatballs. So, Well, I love a falafel, but I understand your concerns. Um, I have a couple of things from our Instagram yeah. that I always forget about. So first, we, we did a poll. Mm-hmm about swear words and all that kind of stuff, which I'm forgetting that we did until this very minute. (laughs) That wasn't actually what I came here for, but I better do it before I forget. So I first asked what people's favorite swear words were. Mm -hmm. Um, So four people said fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, One person said, I like to say freaking. Okay. It was one of your friends. So Um, (laughs) one of my friends said, bitch, but not in a friendly way, specified. <laughs> like they specified not in a friendly way. I really way. love that. Um, someone said shit. And then someone said whore. All right. Um, and then we also said, do you break out into accents throughout the day? Oh, yeah. 92% said yes. Only one person voted no. And then... Lastly, I asked if you said yes to the last question, what do you break out into? Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so someone said British exclusively. Mm. Um, British mostly, but also Southern, Australian, California, like surfer, and mm. then also French. Okay. Someone French said funny. That's hilarious. Someone said Southern, in parentheses, good. Northern Irish, in parentheses, not good. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I like that they specify northern. People got really specific. Um, someone else said British. Someone said, 
my friend Danielle said, Aussie, Brit, or whatever we convinced that one kid that I was freshman year. I totally did not remember this, but me and one of my sweet mates freshman year convinced this kid that she was like an exchange student. <laughs> and I don't remember doing it at all <laughs> until oh she God, said. I love that. Um, someone said Irish. Someone said British and Valley Girl, not really an accent, but more of a stereotype. Another person said British. And then I'm just going to have you guess what this last, who this last one is from. This person just said that their go-to accent to break out into is Hank Hill. That would be our brother, Jake Rhodes. That would be our brother, Jake Rhodes. So thank you all for your responses. Um, and then also, so a few weeks ago, and I totally forgot about this. Um, our friend Brenda sent this oh my gosh, is it gone now? Oh no, it's not. Sent this article to the podcast Instagram that I forgot about. So Mm. Netflix tweeted, Lindsay Lohan will star in a new romantic comedy about newly engaged and spoiled hotel heiress who finds herself in the care of a handsome blue collar lodge owner and his precious daughter after getting total amnesia in a skiing accident. Yes. She's making a comeback. She's making a comeback. I would just like to say that um it's not exactly the same plot but if um if people would like to see a movie that's actually really good of a similar plot there's a hallmark movie called falling in love in vermont or falling in vermont something about falling in love is it that one no no that was the one on netflix no um it's something about something in vermont and it's about this girl who um is a writer in boston and she's driving to vermont and she gets in a car accident and gets um amnesia so um, and falls in love with this widow dad and his two children and it's great so anyways highly recommend um one final thing from the instagram and this is my personal favorite thing yeah so while your friend mary was staying with you uh-huh um, she went around your house and took pictures of everything she would classify as chuggy and sent them to me <laughs> Wait, my house is in, like, my apartment? Yes. When did she even do that? We weren't even there know. for that long. But let me just count how many there are. 12 things. What were they? Some of them aren't loading right now. But, like, the kitchen conversions little plaque thing that's above your oven. Okay. Um, Your towel... Fuck, P- fuck Gen Z because that's super helpful. Your kitchen towels, one that has a cat that says made from scratch and the other one that says, bitch, I am the secret ingredient. <laughs> I think one of those mom gave me, but okay. Your cat coasters. and then um, our- Those are precious photos of our cats. They're chuggy. The rest of them aren't loading right now, but once I do get them to load, maybe I'll like post them on the stories or something and we can have people vote if they're chuggy or not. Really offended that they're, I don't even care if they're chuggy. They're so, those precious photos of Jack and Cleo, how disrespectful. I didn't know that you didn't know she was sending them to me. I have literally no idea this was happening. Genuinely one of the funniest messages I have ever received in my life. First of all, I would just like to say that I did not decorate our house, but also there are three of us there. We all contribute. And so you're all millennials. This tracks disrespect from, I feel betrayed by a fellow millennial way to throw me under that bus. 
<laughs> it was so funny. Like I laughed out loud when she sent me that. Um, well, let's see if I send her any coasters of her cat. She can forget about it. That was everything I have. Excellent. Um, that's all the things I have. Should we get onto our topic? <laughs> Probably about time now that it's been 40 minutes. All right. Well, what are we talking about today, Ella? We're talking about the art of dance. <laughs> Sorry, it turned German. I got nervous. Everybody, we're very anxious about this topic. Yeah, it's like very personal and it like it shouldn't be vulnerable because like what is there? But like if even if like all we talk about is the surface level things, I think what we're basically going to talk about is the fact that for some reason it still feels vulnerable. Yes. So do we want to start with reading some quotes from people to kind of kick it off? I mean, I don't really have that many, but I mean, I have three and then one I want to close with, but like, that's not that many. I will read you um, a couple. Okay. I only have like two. That's fine. Okay. So when I, like one of my friends who... Um, I, her and I have talked deeply about our mm-hmm. relationship with dance. All she could say was, that's a loaded question. I don't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Um, and then one of my friends, my friend Melanie said, okay, one thing I've realized more recently is that folks who were former dancers have a difficult time finding other outlets or forms of exercise that fulfill them in the same way dance did. Like it's been years since I've taken a dance class. I've tried all types of workout classes, cardio bars, the gym, but last night I took a ballet class and my body hasn't felt this alive in years. It's something I've noticed beyond just my experiences. And that's super true. That's really, I love that, that, cause that feels really accurate to my own life. Yeah. Okay. So, um, my friend Alyssa, who I went to grad school with, um, said, uh, the, the pros of dance is the creativity and freedom that it gives you and your body, but the cons are the serious body image issues that yep. and she did competitive dancing. So I think she felt that in a particularly acute way. Yeah. Um, our dear friend, Mariah, who I danced with for most of my life, Love said, um, she said, I feel like there was little to no focus on movement expression and being in our bodies. And instead the focus is on regurgitating a specific move or routine. It took me a long time to deconstruct what dance could mean. I also feel like so many of us spent so much of our very young lives at a studio. And I'm not sure the people who were teaching us realized that they were raising us and that these were formative moments in our lives that could deeply shape our relationships to our bodies and to ourselves. That's, that really, that really tracks. Yeah. I mean, when she said the thing about like, they're basically raising us, that like very much struck a chord of like, yeah, I spent most of my childhood at our dance studio. I mean, yeah. I I love Mariah so much. She's a huge part of my dance influence. So absolutely. And then um, Savannah said, dance was totally instrumental in my childhood and the way I engaged physically with the world. And of course, dance was pretty much the most important community that I had growing up. There was, of course, the bad to the preoccupation, preoccupation with body image, dance politics mainly. Mostly in retrospect, I feel lucky to have had dance as a form of creativity, self-expression, where I also developed a sense of dedication and learned how to push and challenge myself. And then she has a second part of that quote, but I'm going to save it to the end because I think it will wrap up with what we have to say. 
Uh, okay. Well, I guess we should kind of like our our little history, mm-hmm. our our dance experiences. Justine and I went to the same dance studio from ages three to eighteen, essentially, right? Three to eighteen for both of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Do you want you went first, so I'll let you take it away first. So I um started dance when I was three. That was back in the day when they had classes that were both ballet and tap like you could take pre-ballet and pre-tap which is an insane thing to think that like they were making three-year-olds switch into tap shoes halfway through like that's even just like teaching a bunch of three-year-olds in tap shoes sounds like my nightmare yeah yeah it's insane so I don't think they do those anymore um and like really just like obviously like moved myself up through the ranks what's weird is that like I wasn't always the most talented dancer. Like I really loved it, but I definitely wasn't always the most talented. So I didn't always get moved up at the same pace as like my age group. Um, I had a best friend at the time who did dance with me for several years. And I think there was a part of me that felt really abandoned when she stopped doing it. And when we like kind of stopped, that wasn't when we stopped being friends, but it definitely felt like, Mm -hmm this was something we did together. And then it was just a me thing and that's fine. But it was like, also, I think I didn't really know where I fit. Um, I started dancing on point probably a little too young, but because I was moved up with my age group, I danced on point for like a year and a half and then I stopped. And then at that point I kind of, it's not that I didn't progress further, but it was like, there was whatever the holding pattern was. So Mariah, who we, we just mentioned is two years younger than me. And, um, all of the dancers that were, um, in, in their generation were two years younger than me. And so I was sort of not held back, but basically held back and then became like part of that dance group and that dance community. And that's really, I mean, honestly, like when I say Mariah is one of my dear friends, like the first basically advanced, not advanced jazz, but like the first really challenging jazz class that I was in that like opened my eyes to things beyond ballet. I mean, I'd taken tap and stuff, but the first jazz class that really, I was like, oh, this can be something amazing. Mariah was in it with me and we were both like kind of quiet and shy, but also like we liked each other. You know, like we both were like, we are kindred spirits here. So, um, and then a couple years later when that group was ready to do point, I did point again for another year. Um, and just like point was really, the time when I became acutely aware of how differently my body was to other people. And it was made acutely aware to me in, I think as kind a way as they knew how to say that like my body was not built for dancing on point shoes and that I needed to just accept that and (laughs) move on to other things. Um, And I think there was a weird time where the owner of our dance studio, who's a very sweet woman, tried to like I think she did sort of recognize her place as like a parental figure because she would have these like Saturday, Sunday workshops where we talk about like, we would try belly dancing and we'd try yoga. And then we'd talk about like body images and like, all like try and be more comfortable with our bodies. But like, there was no trained professional teaching that, you know, like that wasn't. So I think that was all happening. And then I did dance all the way through high school. Um, And similarly to what had happened in my life growing up, I auditioned for our high school dance company when I was a freshman with Savannah um, and I didn't get in. And then I had kind of a traumatic social experience with some of the people in the dance company 
So I didn't audition again until two years later when Mariah and all of our friends from that age group started high school. So then we were, once again, we were all in it together. And um, so I was in the dance company junior and senior year with all of them who were in it from their freshman year on. But um, that that's really, I stopped dancing. My college didn't have like a dance, like they had basic dance classes, but not anything more than that. I took one or two but I developed pretty severe anxiety about going back to dance. I think since then I've taken two dance. I took one dance class at a studio in Portland in junior year of college. And I took one dance class at a studio in Washington, DC with Savannah when we both lived there. And I don't think I've taken anything since. Yeah. Um, I feel like you hit a lot of the points that I would have made, but I guess just for a background for myself, before we get into all the juicy stuff, um, I, as soon as I was old enough to start classes, I did. Um, cause I had been like, since I was literally born, just like there in the back of the studio with our mom while she was watching Justine's classes. Um, and so I started really quickly. I just got really into it. Um, I had kind of a, a weird like few years between the ages of like eight to 12 because I was also really into theater, but they didn't really like scheduling wise, they were really kind of mixed up a little bit. And it did cause a lot of problems because that was also while I was joining like performing companies and I was in a lot more like groups and classes and stuff. And so it was like, it was becoming an issue between I, mm-hmm. I had to kind of pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that was hard. And I, I joined the performing companies for our dance studio when I, I must've been like nine, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also, I got really into hip hop while like hip hop and jazz, particularly when I was probably eight or nine. And then I, I, it was pretty quick that we realized like hip hop was just the best style for me. Um, and then in 2010, um, our, the hip hop teacher at our studio started a performing hip hop group that would like travel around the County and perform. And so I was kind of in the first group of people who did that. I shouldn't have been, I was not very good. I was very, I think in the first, like, I think, I, in my dance experience through age, maybe like 12, I was definitely like, I I was chubby and I was (laughs) definitely did not have the stamina that everyone else had. And so I had to like really push myself to like be as good as other people. And that was a weird dynamic because then I would go to my theater company where I was the most experienced dancer in the room. And so I had kind of these like weird parallels of like being praised and helping other people and being the dance captain and then also being pushed really hard because I just like wasn't getting things right. Um, and then I kind of, I, I took a step away from theater when I was entering high school, maybe eighth grade, high school, something like that. And sometime around freshman year, I kind of had my like dance glow up where I realized I kind of got good. Um, and like, like eighth grade probably was the beginning of that. Um, I had a lot of good friends who were older than me and who were joining like the dance company at our high school that I would eventually go to. And it was kind of like, Mm -hmm. I I was close with them and we were in all the classes together and everything. And so that was part of it. But I think 
when I stopped doing theater, I was just like, well, I'm guess I'm going all into dance. And then I also freshman year, I joined the dance company at our high school. I was really into it. I eventually was the president of it my senior year. Um, but I think sophomore year of high school was when I really like just kind of like peaked in experience and also talent. Um, I like that was when I got really, really close with our dance teacher. Um, and that's just when I was really good. I was like getting awards from the teachers for being like dedicated. And I was in a bunch of classes a week. I was, I was student teaching. I was doing all this kind of stuff. I was kind of going a little bit crazy with dance. And then once it hit like junior and senior, I was still doing a bunch of stuff and I was excelling in like my hip hop and jazz classes. And, um, I did point as well for literally a year. I hated it so much. I would just stop going because I hated it. Um, and then junior, senior year is when I started to kind of get some more like conflicts with like having a social life and being the vice president or president of our dance company and trying to manage that. But I do think that for a while, especially sophomore and junior year, I was able to kind of um, bridge those gaps a lot, which was really nice because there there was always a little bit of tension between like being a a dancer at the studio versus like at your school. And I I did get a lot of praise for that up until senior year when I had a lot of negative experiences when I did branch back out into doing theater and having a social life again. Um, And I I got some negative, very, um, had some negative experiences. And I also... Um, got some pretty severe injuries senior year that really made like that second half of the year, like as I was graduating, super difficult because I just like, I wanted to be done. Like I didn't even want to do it anymore. Obviously I I did and I finished it up, but um, that was hard. And so then when I like finished up, I was still, um, I was basically assistant dance teaching for every single class that this one dance teacher was teaching because we were really close and she was very pregnant and she was like, I need you to basically be the teacher. I'll just tell you what to do. And then if I go into labor, you can teach my classes. And I had been subbing classes for a few years and I really enjoyed teaching, like teaching middle school aged kids because I had been in their shoes and I know what would have helped me mm-hmm. um, was really exciting for me. But basically after I went to school, I, with my injuries and with my negative experience with dance, I kind of just needed a break. And yeah. so I didn't dance at all in college. I, for a few summers up until basically COVID, I um, do sometimes teach like private dance lessons and I'll choreograph musicals and stuff, which is always really fun. Unfortunately, like don't have the time to do that much anymore, but I do really enjoy doing that. And like teaching private lessons is something really nice and rewarding because that, that, that's what feels good. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my, I feel like I was talking for one million. No, you said a couple of things that really resonated with me that I had forgotten to mention, which is that I have um, a couple of times in my life, both when I was in middle school in seventh grade and I tried out for the volleyball, me and my, all my friends tried out for the volleyball team. And part of it, I think is that I wasn't a very good volleyball player, but when I didn't make the team, I like asked the coach, like, how can I improve for next year or whatever? And I think part of this was, I think part of my disappointment was that in my mind, the like cool girls played volleyball. Oh, I feel I always want to play volleyball because the cool girls played volleyball. Played volleyball. And the coach was like, your dance schedule is insane. Like you would never be able to make practices. And I remember being really upset and crying about it because it felt like one of those things where I loved dance and I had made a commitment to dance, but it felt like it was 
taking over, like it was getting in the way of me living my life and being able to like have a life. And that's not the only time that I felt that way, um, Mm -hmm. for sure. And then the other thing that you mentioned a couple other things, the first was that, or the other was that, um, obviously you and I had different experiences with different teachers. Yeah. Um, we're not going <laughs> to name names, but Ella and I, I like certain teachers and certain teachers liked me and Ella liked certain teachers and certain teachers liked her and they were not, they the, were not the same people. <laughs> they were not the same people. In fact, the teacher that loves Ella hates me. And I think that like, as much as I think I've possibly exaggerated that relationship, I think the fact that when I was in high school and I was already really insecure because I hadn't made the dance company freshman year and I'd felt incredibly isolated by the people in the dance company. So my only real dance community was at our dance studio. And I loved all of those people. I loved all of the dancers. I like, I, Mm -hmm. I was very much into it. I was committed to it, but she was like, she made it very clear that I did not have the talent that other people had. And so when I re-auditioned as a junior for our school's dance company, I remember being like, we were in the callbacks and we did like one practice round and my friend, um, Mara had come up to me and she was like, you're doing really good, but you have to have confidence because they're all saying that you'd be better if you had confidence. Like if you just own it, like just, even if you mess up, just own it. And I guarantee you'll get in. And I really feel like she threw me a bone there because if she hadn't told me that, I don't think I would have gotten in and that would have been devastating. So, um, I think that also like definitely played a role in my confidence just as in myself too, which we can talk about. Um, and then, uh, you said two other things. You said one thing about teaching and then something else. Oh, choreographing. Right. Um, I really appreciate what you said about teaching because I also think some of my best memories were being like an assistant teacher in some of those classes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're your friends, but that's part of why, like why I love your friend Jade and I love mm-hmm. Kara and I love Fiona because I was their dance teacher. Like right. I was the one that was like, Hey ladies, let's do, you know, like I distinctly remember those moments. And so, um, that's something that I really like treasure, like those times. Um, and then the other thing about choreographing, I think you and I had very different experiences with this because I think for you, that was where a talent and your like rhythm really came out in your creativity. And you did a lot with theater and stuff. The two times that I've ever choreographed a dance that was performed in front of people, <laughs> um, I felt like it was similar to the time that I like, I wrote a one act play that was read in like a staged reading where I felt like I was incredibly vulnerable and I was opening something up to like the world and deeply afraid of being judged and deeply afraid of what people's thoughts were going to be and not being good. Like it was too much stress on performance night for me. Yeah. I, that's funny. I feel like my, my experience there is actually really different. I think my experience is less with the actual performance because at that point I, I really kind of felt like it was out of my hands Mm -hmm. and I did choreograph a good amount in high school, especially just because it got to the point where we would just be like, we need another number. Like I'll just throw one together. Yeah. But Um, We also took choreography classes at our dance studio, and that was kind of the basis of my choreography experience. Um, I did too. You did? 
Mm-hmm. I didn't know I when they started. The first, I was in the first class of choreography. Um, but I think that my kind of vulnerability actually became more with teaching the choreography to people. I didn't care about it being performed. It was the the act of teaching it to people mm-hmm. was where I felt really vulnerable. And I felt like I wasn't making it clear enough and that these people that I was showing this dance to were going to be like, you want me to do what? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I do think it's kind of what you said of like, I have a a specific rhythm and I have a specific kind of like mindset. Mm -hmm. And when I was teaching, especially with kids, like I would, everything I would like teach them, I would be making a million sounds and they'd be like, we don't know how to dance to sounds, Ella. Like you need to tell us counts or lyrics or something. Cause I'd be like, then you're going to give me a boom chicka bow wow. And they'd be like, what? Um, And so I think that's more where my vulnerability came in. And there was a while. And to this day, I, as much as I really loved it, like teaching dance, that's something I said, but like, I am constantly insecure about my ability to do it. There was a couple summers ago was actually the last time I was able to teach because of COVID and everything. So summer 2019 that I choreographed a musical and I was doing some private dance lessons and stuff. And by the end of it, I was so insecure the entire time about teaching. I convinced myself that I hate it and that I'm never going to do it again because I don't like it. I, I, I don't know how to get through to these people. I'm not really teaching them anything. What do I have to teach them? I'm literally a 19 year old girl who mm-hmm. has no degree or any, or any like expertise in this. Like, it's not like I'm going to school for dance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just kind of realized that like, I, what, what I do. And I think what makes me insecure, it's because it's not what was like taught to us when we were being taught dance is like, mm-hmm. uh, my biggest thing is I want to make sure that I'm like, teaching them something that they can listen to. And I'm not trying to say like, mm-hmm. I'm the best teacher, but like, it would have been really helpful to me when I was 12 years old. If someone had been like, okay, this is what you're interested in. This is, I, I want to teach you something that's going to get through to you. So I'm not just going to say it one way. I'm going to say it four different ways until yeah. it clicks. If it's making a crazy sound every time they leap and like giving them gold stars stickers at the end of the day, like that's what I'm going to do. And that's something that I, I realized yeah. the last time I was able to teach that like, I, I do have skills at and yeah and I think that's why it's been such like an impactful experience for me and I just like think about that summer and me teaching in 2019 and I was like mm-hmm. yeah like that was that was good like like I, I'm actually skilled at it no matter what my dance skill is because let's be honest in the last few years I mean I used to be a very serious dancer and I have not danced really at all since 2017 like my skill level has gone down my technique level has gone down but I do think that my teaching ability has gone up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to turn another light on really quick and then I have a thought about that. Okay. One thing too, that I, I didn't mention Mm -hmm. was kind of what you said, how like you have like that group uh, and how, you know, you get kind of caught up and you're not able to do anything else because dance Yeah. I was in high school, like me and this whole group were together. My freshman year, our performing company where we were all close friends had probably 15 to 20 people in it. That's so many. The very next year, everybody quit and there was five of us. Oh my God. And, and so that was really hard because it was like, you love your best friends, but they were like, we want to have a life. Like, like we can't just keep getting caught in this really competitive and just kind of like controlled environment. Like we want to be high schoolers and you and I both are, um, loyal to a fault. 
<laughs> and that wasn't something I want to do. And I was really passionate about dance. Like I don't regret doing that at all, but it was kind of like similar and like similar idea to kind of like what you went through, but it, it was weird because everybody left me. And then I was like, mm-hmm. I kind of had no choice, but to get better and be the best because what, right. what else were we going to do? It was all of a sudden I was, I was a freshman who was dancing with seniors and really talented people. And then all of a sudden I was the oldest person in the room. So I like, I just had to be good. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, you know, I mean, I just think like there are so many times and I used to have the same problem with Girl Scouts, right? Like we would have, this is why I was glad we stopped doing point because point was on Fridays Mm -hmm. and it sucks when you're a high schooler to have dance class on Friday night. Like that, nobody wants to do that ever. And like the same thing was with Girl Scouts where we'd have like Girl Scout meetings and I'd be like, I want to go to the movies with my friends. And obviously like my Girl Scout troop are friends too, but like we don't go to the same high school. These aren't like my girls. And that became a real point. Like I feel like those were two main points of contention where I was like, I enjoy these activities a lot. They're really great. But like also I want to be able to have a life. Yeah, I had had hip hop crew until – like 8 p.m. on on Friday nights. Mm-hmm. And then I would have dance class at nine. I would have ballet at 9.30 on Saturday mornings. So like I was, I mean, I'm going to be honest, like senior year, I was hung over for a good amount of those classes, but like whatever. <laughs> no wonder the ballet teacher hated you. It was a different one. This was the <laughs> one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so difficult. It's so tough. Um, Let's talk about something more exciting for a second. I okay. know we're going to get back into the deep stuff, but I feel like we need to like be funny for a yeah, second. I because- think we've also like touched on a couple of these other right. like, yeah, there's some we don't need to circle back on, but yeah. Yeah. I just feel like us talking about dance is also kind of us telling our whole life story <laughs> in a way because it, it really like it it intertwines right. with everything. Like if you don't so- stop me, I'm going to get into all the drama of Girl Scouts. You know? Right. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Um, but, um, what is your favorite style of dance? My favorite style of dance is, uh, you know, gosh, that's so interesting. I what? love it. How is that so interesting? <laughs> I was going to say one thing and I like, like fully flipped. You know, what like, is your favorite type of ice cream? That is a really <laughs> interesting question. <laughs> First of all, all your questions are interesting. Okay. I love as like movement for my body. I love contemporary mm-hmm. and like a modern style, but I also have a deep appreciation for just classic jazz. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my favorite style because I know I'm good and then it feels good and it, I love to perform it and I love to watch it as hip hop, mm-hmm. but there is something about contemporary that just feels really good in your body and modern. Like it just feels right. Like it's, I mean, and my style when I've choreographed has always been a kind of weird amalgamation of jazz and like a modern mm-hmm. contemporary sort of like free movement style. Right. I've done like one, one like truly contemporary mm-hmm. dance. I think senior year I choreographed one truly contemporary dance and then the rest have been either hip hop or like a jazz funk situation mm-hmm. yeah, or like musical that's, theater. That's, yeah, that's so. Yeah. Okay, um what's your favorite dance that you did ever? Yeah. That's a really good question. 
Oh, I'm literally thinking of so many. I feel like a lot of the ones I'm thinking of are senior year, probably just because that's the most recent. Okay. But oh, there's a few that are coming to mind. Um, one was sophomore year of high school. It was when there was like the five of us in that performing company. It wasn't actually my favorite dance, but I also like, I knew it was impressive. <laughs> you know what I mean? We was did- it the gold costume one? No. No, we had, it was a weird costume. The costume didn't match at all. It was like a kind of contemporary modern style that like was turned very advanced jazz. We had like a weird half checkered pant situation. Um, And I ended up getting a lot of solos in it. So I really liked that. I was in the center for the whole thing, but I have never had so much technique in one thing. Like I am talking, doing fouette turns for like six counts of eight straight, doing like switch leap after switch leap. And this dance was five minutes long. Um, So that one, I just remember being so rewarding. Mm -hmm. There was also a hip hop dance that we did at my dance company at high school that my friend Talia choreographed. That was just so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was like a mix of a ton of songs. And then... I also really liked my senior year. We did a, for our advanced jazz class, we did a contemporary dance that I really enjoyed. I think that was up there. There was also one time we did one to Mama's Broken Heart that was just like cute and fun and good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I'm cute. sure there's more. Those are the only ones that are coming to mind right now, but I'm sure there's a lot more. I'm sure some hip hop. Oh, my favorite and you gave me 10, but okay. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Also, my hip-hop crew dance my senior year was really good was that the gold one um that was junior year and that was my hip-hop class not my hip-hop crew okay well your hip-hop that, class you're answer. thinking you're thinking about the missy elliott right are you thinking about the missy elliott i thought it was a beyonce one or no maybe it was maybe um, it was missy elliott we you were we wearing gold costumes it was no. like gold and black yeah, that one was, I think that one was the Missy Elliott tribute dance. Actually, maybe the cheetah print pants was Missy Elliott. Oh my God. I, I can't keep talking. I'm going to need you to say, I, that was one of those dances that we saw, we all saw you perform it and it was like, oh my God, this dance is amazing. And then of course, that's the one that like you guys never performed again. It was just like right. the end of your dance recital one. And it was like, well, what, what the hell? Because we didn't, we we took the time to learn it and get good at it. We didn't right. try to rush into performing it in March. Yeah. Right. Um, I am trying to think if I like even had a favorite dance. I mean, I. Yeah. That's so hard. I really liked. We did a dance, though. I'm loath to give credit to this dance teacher, but. We did a dance to a Gomez song with chairs. That was just really cool. It was cool to learn and cool to do. And the costumes were great. And it was just cool visually. Um, And, you know, actually my first really sort of advanced, the the class in which I met Mariah, we did a dance. We had an amazing jazz teacher um, who is the mother of someone that was on So You Think You Can Dance. And um, we did a dance to a Shaka Khan song, and it was so cool. That's so fun. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt you- like I was working, right? Like, it felt like one of those dances where you're like, I might not be the best dancer in this dance, but I feel like I'm moving every muscle in my body, and I want to be here, and I'm, like, in it. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that every time I was in my modern classes with our, like, really cool, mm-hmm. like, um, 
modern dance teacher. Mm-hmm. So cool. mm-hmm. Um, did you have favorite costumes? Um, well, I was at the generation where first this all started because there was these girls that we used to dance with, um, and their parents were kind of hippies and they threw a fit about spending money on costumes. So every class I was in had to have like a costume you could just throw together yourself because they didn't want to like order costumes. We had a lot of that. And then I was in a phase where, um, there was a particular dance teacher who would just find a cool piece of fabric and she would just like rip off pieces and then be like, wear black shorts and black tank tops or wear gauchos and white t-shirts and like. So there's like a whole series of costumes that were all just like weird green sparkly material, right. sparkly material. Um, we did a, the, the chair dance that I was talking about was black sports bras, black dance shorts and oversized men's button up shirts. Love it. So we all looked like we'd just come out of bed, but we looked great. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun to wear. Um, and then we also did, we, <laughs> it's funny that we like performed this around town, including at like the community college, but like we did a zombie dance for Halloween that we ended up like taking on tour with us. And by the time it was done, I was, we were like obviously all sick of it. And like the worst was that my hair doesn't do anything. And so everyone, including this dance teacher spent hours trying to tease my hair to make it look like a zombie. Um, but it was like, like we all got really into it. Like by the end, we were all trying different zombie makeup and we were like, really, we got really into it. That's fun. I did a number of different zombie type costumes because by the time I was in middle school, we had a Halloween show every year. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We were the first of the shows. Yeah. Um, my hair costumes, I had a lot of really crazy hip hop pants, a lot of weird pants. But we had this thing for our hip hop crew where every year we would basically just get t-shirts that were like a different design of our logo and then kind of build our costumes around that. So for kind of the makeshift kind of costumes, that was always really fun. Like mm-hmm. some years we we all had like these bright teal ones and then we got kind of pants that matched it or we did a superhero dance once, which was really fun. So we oh, had cool. like a superhero logo and then she was like, everybody needs really bright pants. Like I want this to be like your superhero yeah. costume. So that was really fun. But for, like, real costumes, we always had really fun, like, Latin costumes. Those were always so fun. They were, like, the cute jazz contemporary that we always wanted. But, like, we weren't that kind of studio. We were the wear a black top and whatever kind of studio. So the Latin costumes were always just, like, really fun and sparkly. And I always loved those ones, especially senior year. We had, like, a a leotard situation, which was, like, a little risque. And it had, like, cutouts and mesh and a corset. And it was, like, really fun. We did have a couple of cool, not cool, but pretty like ballet, yeah. like, like, like ordered ballet tutu mm-hmm. costumes that were actually really pretty. And there was a while where all of us got really into like the specific aesthetic, right? So we were all on the same page. It wasn't like the dance teacher saying, you guys have to have your hair a certain way. It was like, we saw the costume when we went, okay, we're going to do our hair this way. We're going to wear our tights this way. We're like, mm-hmm. this what's gonna go down because oh, we were we were told explicitly what we had to do with our hair and I mean we normally did but there was a while where we got really into it and we were like we want this to look as professional as possible right 
Yeah, we had, I had one ballet costume that was so pretty. It wasn't a tutu, but it was like one of the like kind of long knee length flowy skirts mm-hmm. with like a black and cream corset. It was beautiful. It was so good. It was like a whole song. Um, yeah, I love dance costumes so much. They're so good. There's some of them are so weird though. Oh yeah. What's your weirdest one? My weirdest one? Well, I think that has to be the Deo costume. To this day, that stands out as being a ridiculous costume. Was that the pink and neon green one? Yeah. That was the one that the pants where one leg was neon green and one leg was neon pink. And then there was like yellow ruffles at the bottom. And then the top was like that like crop top, like tropical style, but it was opposite side pink and green. That's so Also with ruffles on the sleeve. And then we had like a big straw hat with a big pink and green fabric bow and the two dance assistants in that dance had to dress as bananas. I didn't know that part of the story. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. They were dressed as bananas. I remember once as a kid, I was really young. This, I would have been maybe four or five, like one of my first dance classes ever. Mm -hmm. We had full body velvet cat suits. Like, like it had a bib (laughs) with a bow tie and fur. Yeah. And then for costumes, I actually remember we had some bad ones, like, and they weren't bad. Like the crab one with the hands. Oh, rock lobster. No, that's a winner. Okay. So story time. I didn't really do tap. I took like a class when I was little and then I like didn't at all, but I've always had good rhythm. So it came kind of naturally, but it's also been like my biggest insecurity about dance styles. But when I was probably 13, I think I must've been in eighth grade, I decided to take a tap class and I was already the oldest in the, in like in the class. But one of my friends who, she was a couple years older than me, but we were in all the same classes together or not older, younger than me. We were in all the same class together. We had like grown up dancing together was in it. So I was like, I'll be fine. Haley's in the class. I can do it. But everyone else was younger. And I also was like bigger. Like I had boobs and I was like, I had an ass. Like I was just a bigger kid. And then we decide, the teacher decides that for our performance, like we're going to learn our dances, but the performance, it's going to come together with the class below us. So it's going to be like a tap two, tap three combo dance. So I'm already the largest in my class. Like everybody in the class is a child's medium and I'm like an adult large. So, and then we bring in the child's extra small. And not only is that weird situation happening, but it's a dance to rock lobster where we have knee length, sparkly pinstriped pants, like knee length with this like red sequined vest situation, a top hat that has googly eyes attached to antenna and red sequined lobster claws (laughs) on our hands. (laughs) And I just feel... As though from a mile away, you could just feel the embarrassment on my face. And it would be one thing if all of my friends were doing this, if it was like the regular group, because they wouldn't have put us in those costumes. They would have maybe done the lobster claws with a different situation. But it was like, oh, cute. These kids are doing a tap dance dressed as lobsters. And I was there like 14, looking like I was 16 with a bunch of eight-year-olds. Oh my God, it's so funny. Which was so funny. 
Um, so that was a rough one. I, I also just remember there being a phase of a lot of cargo pants, like truly deeply cargo pants that were like tent material. We had a camo pair that we, we wore for our Beyonce dance that we performed all over town for like over a year. And then I also had a tan pair that we performed to an Aaliyah song. It was, there was a lot of camo for a second. I had, um, some of my worst costume experiences, not at the dance studio, but at the dance company. And right. there was some, there was not some. Partly because those are student made, mm-hmm. but also because, and this girl was a friend at the time, um, though I haven't talked to her in years, every dance I was in that she would choreograph, she would pick a material and a shape of costume that was both incredibly form-fitting and incredibly unflattering. It was basically like, here, put on this really tight jersey material in a like light olive color that makes you look kind of naked on stage with yellow bike shorts underneath. <laughs> yeah. And like similar to you, like I wasn't, like we were in high school, so everyone was like a little bit of different shapes, but like I was definitely like, I remember distinctly in that dance, I was the tallest one. And it was definitely the curviest one. Right. And again, with the lighting and the lighting that she chose, because the direction of that lighting, no one said, hey, if you do a yellow or green background, your dancers are going to look sick and naked. (laughs) So (laughs) lighting was awful. We looked awful. Like, and there was another dance, I think in our senior year where it wasn't, she didn't choreograph it. It was like the one we did as all the seniors. It was like the senior dance. Mm -hmm. And we wore black dance shorts with these like green and black striped tops that were basically just like a jersey fabric and we'd all picked different styles of how I we think we reused those when I was in the company at some point and I was like I know what those are from it was just the most ill-fitting thing I think I've ever I look awful in every photo <laughs> There was, I don't remember, I was such a child that when you were in that, but there was a lot of kind of weird costume things that happened at our dance company in high school and particularly weird colors. A lot of really strange colors that shouldn't have gone together. Also, I remember all of our Latin dances were really form-fitting, a little bit scandalous. There was one that was my favorite that we had basically backless bandanas covering our our boobs which was terrifying um one costume oh my god wait I need to pause because I don't think that I've told this story to other people but I don't remember the girl's name I don't remember any of this but there was one year that I had come back to help with the end of your dance recital mm-hmm. and there was a girl it was in the middle show but she was a little older like I think she was closer to your age but she okay. was in one of the like highest level of hip-hop that would have been in that show okay So she was a little curvier and they were doing some dance and she was wearing a tube top. And I'm not kidding you, Ella, because I snuck out to watch like part of the show from, because I wasn't like Mm -hmm. making everyone be quiet in the kids room for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So I like was watching part of the show and her top straight up fell down and she kept dancing. Like that girl kept dancing and obviously pulled it up when she got back like off stage like off stage or whatever and no one said anything and to this day I still wonder if I made it up but it was so shocking and in that moment I literally like went and I like rushed back to like go comfort her afterwards and no she didn't she was fine like 
I was like, hey, oh my gosh. And she was like, wasn't that a great, like nobody said anything. I mean, if it wasn't a children's show, I would be like icon for doing that. But like for the children's show, I'm a little like, mm, maybe you should have pulled I mean, it up. Maybe it was the old, what, whatever it was. I remember it was early enough in the day that it wasn't like nighttime yet. Right. And I was like, are you like, hey. And she was like, hi, like totally didn't even. Weird. It was the wildest thing Whoa. I've ever, I, I, I had to interrupt your story because it was the craziest. I mean, oh, and I was like, good okay. for her for dancing, but like. No, that's okay. Wow. I, I mean, she's kind of an icon. I couldn't have done that. You know why? Because I thought it was going to fall down during the dress rehearsal and it didn't. And then it fell down during the dance recital the next day. And I was like. You should have oh, told her to pin it. To wear tape. Was she not wearing anything underneath? Not that I can see. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to move on. I mean, I was far back, but it wasn't that far back, you know? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> We've been talking for 1 million years. I know. Any of our listeners that thought that the last episode was going to start a standard of short episodes was tricking themselves. We like to keep you on the edge of your seat. <laughs> Keep you on the edge of your seat. Um, I feel like we've talked about some of these things, but like, do you think things have changed since we were growing up? Yes. With like Lizzo? Um, I think yes, and I think no. I think it's really interesting. Like, I think culturally, like as a whole, yes, there has been so much progress in that direction. And like Lizzo having like big black women as her backup dancers is so important because that just hasn't happened like we look at music videos that we would watch and be like this dance was so cool and it was single ladies where it was literally Beyonce and Heather Morris who are have perfect bodies right like you used to joke that if you wanted to be a professional dancer you could only be one in like a a backup dancer in like a hip-hop video because it was like no it's true and I mean unfortunately that's still kind of the reality but like we're making progress um but I also think it's it's kind of interesting our situation very specifically because we grew up going to a dance studio and our dance company from our high school that was very, I mean, you might've had a slightly different experience with the, with the dance company in high school, but very much like about the love of the dance. It wasn't about competition. It wasn't about doing. Yeah, I mean, our dance studio, yeah. I remember distinctly the owner telling us this one time that they, other studios in the area that were more serious in certain areas, like, you mm-hmm. know, like the ones that competed in ballet or whatever, like jokingly made fun of our studio calling it the Amazon dance dance center because we had people of all shapes and sizes who just loved to dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I mean, not even so much about like the shapes and sizes thing, but that was really pushed on us at our studio was that you're here for the love of dance. You're not here to compete. And so for a long time, I actually had a really negative opinion about studios that did compete until I went to high school and all of my best friends went to like the, the, um, the studio next door where they did compete and they loved it and it was great and I could tell they still loved dance and everything the same and they had the same relationship with dance I did it didn't matter if they competed or not um so there was that and also with the high school I I personally had a big relationship with like 
making it about what feels good and what's going to like encourage myself and the other people around me, which is really positive. And then kind of moving out of high school and moving away from it, our studio did start doing competitions and they're doing competitions now and they're actually doing really successful like they're doing amazing they're doing ballet competitions that are like really prestigious and they're winning awards and stuff and I think that's really amazing I think I I hope that they're I mean I don't know because I honestly don't really know anyone there anymore but I hope that they're instilling you know the importance of it being for fun and stuff but also part of me is like really you're gonna go compete now <laughs> after we really wanted to um, and then also similarly, the dance company, basically a couple years after I left turned very into like, there's, a, there's a particular style of competition dance because there's things that judges look for that you kind of need to hit those points, not to say that it can't also be really creative, but a lot of the dances that kind of came of the dance company from our high school kind of really turned into that competition style dance which again, there's, there's nothing wrong with it, but it felt different. And I, I just, even watching it, I was kind of uncomfortable because it just didn't feel like the same level of just, um, organic. Mm -hmm. So I think like, that's a really interesting thing compared to what's going on in the world because mm -hmm. it's, it's different. It's really different. And so it's like kind of this weird. That's spin. so interesting. Yeah. My friends and I, who like three of my best friends who we were so close in high school and we're still good friends to this day. We talk like once a week, we're going to take a trip together at the end of the summer. Um, like basically once a week, we'll like send each other something on Facebook being like, can you believe our dance studio is doing this now? We're like, did you see that? Or like all these different things that we like see and like compared to our upbringing. Cause they're also like really good now. Like we used to like ourselves kind of make fun of us. Cause we're like, we're a dance studio that's in the same parking lot as a dairy queen. Like, oh my God. But now we'll like see um, some person pictures. In the same parking lot as a Goodwill and a donut right. store. Right. <laughs> Exactly. And so like now we'll see them put like the teachers post pictures and stuff. And we're like, are you kidding me? Like we could not be in that studio. Like we, if, if they were that good when we were in high school, we literally couldn't have been there. Like Those girls are now, those are bunheads. Yeah. There's some bunheads there for sure. Some serious bunheads. But I do think, you know, what's interesting when you say that is like, there was a lot of drama around like other dance studios opening up, like people leaving the our dance mm -hmm. studio and going and opening up their own mm -hmm. um, to like different things or to prioritize different things. And there was a lot of like bitterness around that of like, oh, we're not good enough for you. And I remember there were some people that I danced with who were always talking about how like, like they didn't want to have, like the dance teacher would be like, you need to smile. Like, you know, you're going to be performing this like smile. And I remember distinctly, like one time this one girl was like, I want to be like professional dancers and they don't smile in their dances, which is like not true. Like if you go watch like Alvin Ailey, some of those dances are serious and some of them are full of joy. Like they, they are allowed to change their facial expressions. Like anybody that's ever looked, watched any professional dance performance would know that, but whatever. And like, they were just very judgy about it. Like the, like there was a couple girls that were like, I want to be more serious. And so I like, and I remember being part of this is because we're loyal to a fault, but I also remember feeling like I'm putting a lot of my time and energy into this. And like, I don't being a professional, but could you not be so rude? Like mm -hmm. this is, I, w I would like this to be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think 
there was also like kind of a stigma and maybe this was just you and I, maybe other people didn't feel this, but like people would be like, oh, I'm going to go take this class somewhere else. And I'd be like, what? You're taking a class at another studio? (laughs) And like, that was what was weird. Like when all my friends stopped doing the performing company and I was just like, wait, what? Like, you're not going to finish this through. And like, would it have been better for my social life for me to probably not take an absurd amount of classes junior and senior year? Yes. Would it have been better for my dance, like, education to go take classes other people uh, classes with other people absolutely yeah I you know what's so funny is I remember saying that to mom and dad like not for myself because I I knew pretty early on that I was never a professional and that I didn't have the talent that other people had and you know what to be honest maybe I did and that they just made me feel like I didn't like who knows like maybe if I'd worked harder or done whatever like maybe I would have but I remember when I realized how good of a dancer you were and especially around your sophomore year when you were like you were really loving it you were really focused like you were I got good like I had a dance glow up you were having a glow up like you were doing great and you were also showing like a deeper level of skill and thoughtfulness and like like your choreography was getting good you know like all that stuff and um I remember saying to mom and dad, like, at what point are we being too loyal? Like, at what point should you send her to a studio where she can really grow in those talents and like have those fostered and like maybe take this more seriously? Like, I'm not saying she's going to be like dancing for ABT, but like, at what point do you foster this further? Because she's really good. And I mean, our parents have just never been, they're never going to be the dance models, right? right? <laughs> they're only going to let you, like, you You have to take the lead there. Right. Their version of dance parenting, which I'm grateful for, was like, Ella, what do you need me to buy for your performance? Like, <laughs> and I'd be like, it'd be performance day and be like, dad, I forgot my spandex. Can you run to the dance costume right. store and pick up a pair? So. Right. And I mean, I also, like, they also were good about, like, you know, being supportive when things felt shitty and being mm-hmm. like, you know. I, there was also times where I would be sick from school and then I would still want to go to dance and they were like, no, nope. like school is your job. <laughs> absolutely like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I definitely did think I, and I remember saying out loud, like we are all as a family loyal to a fault. And like, at what mm. point do we stop being that way for the betterment of Right. Because I was basically your third parent. I was like, at what point do we take her out of this school and put her in a better elementary school? And at what point do we put her in a better dance studio? I mean, mom and dad were very, I think, especially when it came to me, because I have always just been so like independent too when I like come home (laughs) and like talk about what I did in dance or if I like had a big success. It's not like I came home and I was like, hey, I got my quadruple pirouette today. Cause like that was an exciting day, but I didn't come home and say it, but like, I think it was also just kind of like me, me internalizing it. So you were like, okay, right. <laughs> what's going on? I mean, not a, I mean, and it's not even like we get in that many arguments, but I mean, I've said this on the pod before, like, I feel like the arguments I've gotten in with our parents are me defending you or picking a fight on your behalf when you're not going to say anything. <laughs> right. And, and like, even I, it's not like I go to you and I'm like, Justine, this is happening. Like no, I'm literally sitting there and you're like, what are you doing? They're like, are you dating any boys? And I'm like, don't ask her that question. <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm um, like, way yeah. off. 
happened? Like, she literally hasn't said anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I just like, and I, <laughs> I also remember saying that about school too. Like I remember being like, I know we're really loyal to the public school system, but Ella's doing really good. <laughs> Should we consider putting her in like a better school? <laughs> like I'm the other parent making these decisions. That is something that I also like researched for a long time. I was like, I should probably go to a better school. Um, <laughs> but yeah, especially like junior, senior year, when I was driving myself, like senior year, it was literally like, it was just like, where do I bring my check once a month kind of thing for mom and dad? Right. And, and they like, were like, yeah. are you coming home for dinner? And that, that didn't happen. Like I would, okay. I talk about this sometimes because I don't know how I had the schedule I had in high school because I am exhausted. When I got to college, I was like, how did I do it? I would wake up. I would go to my 7.30 a.m. class. I would go to school all day. I would then have either dance or theater after school until like five, go straight to dance classes until 9.30, then come home and do my homework. Mom and dad would be in bed half the time I got home. Like, I don't know how I kept up that schedule because now if I have class and one other thing in a day, I need a nap. I think about that a lot even like I think about that in high school because I had a similar schedule though not as rigorous as yours and mine also involved like going to Girl Scouts and stuff right like I had that kind of schedule but I also like in college I worked like three jobs like I was like in school taking classes also a barista also running the box office and then like doing orientation stuff and like as soon as I left college and then was just working and I was just exhausted, I was like, how did I do any of that before? Yeah. And like occasionally going to the gym, like, no. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, it's all bananas. I feel like we need to wrap this up because we have actually been talking forever. So I have a question for you. Would you do it again? If you could grow up as a dancer again or not, would you do it again? I would because I think I have a really strong work ethic and it is 100% due to dance. Mm -hmm. And I have a really strong um, work ethic, particularly about like wanting to learn more and wanting to grow. That has always been my thing. And that was something I got praised for a lot in dance was like, if I, if someone told me like something I need to work on, I would say thank you. And then I would do it. Mm -hmm. And like, that is something I do pride myself on. And also, I mean, I think, while it caused a whole lot of body image issues. Um, it's kind of nice to know at least partially where they stem from. Um, and I mean, it's not good how hard I am on myself because of it, but I think it, I think I am self-aware in a way that I wouldn't be otherwise. And I think that performing for so many years gave me a different kind of confidence. Like it might not be confidence in how I look or how I, um, you know, or in my body or whatever it is, or even in my ability. But I do feel like performing for so many years gave me a confidence being in front of people and like an ability to, and this is both from dance and theater, but dance particularly, like the ability to be in front of people and to speak and you know what I mean? Kind of like public speaking skills, which is not something that you would think would come from dance. Um, that was part of it. But again, there's a lot of things that I would have, uh, I would have changed. <laughs> um, like I remember senior year, 
this is like my last story before we finish up, but I was in a dance class and this was with the new ballet teacher who was like a strict ballet trained teacher. And this was after all the drama I had had with all of my classes. And I was taking a class with only adults. I was the youngest person there. And like, because of kind of the way it is, I, I had the, some of the strongest technique just because I was like young and taking all these classes versus like people who are getting back into dance after their long careers of dance. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was doing something and she pushed me really, really hard. Like didn't love her, but she, she did make me better. She was like, Ella, stop looking at yourself in the mirror. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. And then I was like, okay. And then also she would be like, stop looking at me. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you're looking at yourself in the mirror for approval and you're looking at me. I'm not going to give you approval while you're doing this dance. Like you need to just do it. And then I was like, what? And she was like, I think it's a teenage thing of why you're looking in the mirror. And I think it's a you thing of why you won't stop looking at me, but like do the dance, like don't stop looking for approval. And I was like, ma'am. Okay. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't like an okay, like first application, but, um, yeah, that's so interesting. That is so interesting. I, um, at a very young age, very young age, our dad told me that he was going to tell me to stop staring at myself in the mirror, but he realized I was performing for myself. So I was doing better than if I didn't look at myself in the mirror. (laughs) So (laughs) per usual, I'm just really entertained by myself. Um, and always have been, uh, I would, I would do it again. Or like if I was having kids, I would put them in dance, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like we didn't know. Nobody knew, right? I mean, we, like, and I, I don't know. I think overall, when I look back on dance, it is 70% positive. Yeah. And I think like the, the negative things, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot that has messed me up, but there's also like, a, again, like a lot of things that like I learned because I went through it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah, I do. I have accredited, like when I got my, per, like the job I have now, when they asked me to apply for it, they were like, you fit into the team. You pick up things really quickly. Like you're like really good at like seeing something happening and then just getting it, like just doing it. And I was like, honestly, I have to credit growing up as a dancer because there was absolutely times where I suddenly joined a hip hop class and learned their, their routine in one day, yeah. you know, like it was, there's a lot of things that where that would happen. Um, and I think you're right about being able to perform on stage. You learn the ability to turn it on and to just yeah. do it play through the pain. <laughs> you know, like you just, you yeah. just do it and you can't like that. That's just it. And I think you probably do it better than I do because you did theater, but like, yeah, absolutely. You just do it. Yeah. Um, I want to end with this quote from Savannah because I think it really sums up right. kind of how we feel. Oh yeah. Can I say one thing really quickly before you go into that. Yeah. The one thing that I would make sure, and this is anyone, (laughs) I don't know, um, making sure to not only understand like what you're doing, but why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. I remember my senior year, I was, it was my last performance for our dance company. Um, and one of my really good friends, Jade, like texted the couple of us that were still in it. And it was like, we all learned how to dance at our studio, but like, we learned why we danced together. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. Like that's so mm-hmm. important. And I think I do understand why I dance. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. I mean, I think that really resonates as someone that has done my own private dance workouts through COVID, which is like, I'm not necessarily doing it because I need to like exercise. I mean, I do need to exercise, but like, that's not, I'm not doing it because I'm looking to lose weight. I'm doing it because this is like your heart needs it giving me a chance to move and do something different. And it's not boring because it's got new music and I can sometimes I do routine and sometimes I just do whatever the hell my body wants to do in that moment. So it's literally soul food. Yeah. Okay. So Savannah said, I still love it and crave it, but I do it rarely. I'm hoping to take a class this summer. It's hard because my technique just isn't where I want it to be and probably never again and we'll probably never again be as good as when I was like, let's say 16, but I think it's so wonderful to still hear music and feel it in my body and want to move in that way. Yeah. Snaps all around. Snaps all around. I'm so sorry to our listeners for an emo and vulnerable episode. We were both really nervous for this. We were nervy going into it. We haven't really talked that much about it. I mean, I haven't really talked that. Like, I always, like, allude to it, and and I still identify as a dancer, but um, that's a Dude, whole other thing. We didn't even get into identif- how we identify because that is a roller coaster that I've been through. That's, yeah, that's yeah. a different one. But we need to end this. We've been talking for literally almost two hours, so. They don't want to hear us anymore. I'm. If you're still listening, send a dragon emoji. <laughs> If you're still listening, send help. 